everybody. Welcome to Building the Believer. So, today, we're going to talk about a subject that you don't know what I'm about to talk about because I didn't put it on the graphic. <laughs> so, I'm going to do a little, a little intro and ask a couple questions. So, firstly this morning, I want to ask, does anybody in here know what the Greek word for salvation is? Yes. I knew you guys would know. We've talked about it. I was hoping you'd know. So the Greek word for salvation is sozo. So sozo actually doesn't only mean salvation. See, in the English language, we've broken up salvation separate from healing, separate from prosperity, right? But in the Greek, that, that word sozo is an all-encompassing word. It actually is healed, delivered, redeemed, prospering. It's, it talks about the Zoe kind of life, which is an all-encompassing, abundant God kind of life. So my question to you is how then can somebody be saved? How then can you see a Christian walking around who's broke or who's sick or who's not free, you know, in bondage, addicted? How then can you see someone who's saved and they're dealing with any of those kind of things? <laughs> well, you can have something all day and not know that you have it. I'm going to give an example. So my sister and I are nine years apart. If some of y'all don't know, I have a little sister who comes here. Her name is Mary Jo. The reason I say that is you might be like, oh, a lot of us in here, we know you, we'd know that. No, I'm telling you, I still get here. Every once in a while, I'll still get someone when I still say, you know, hey, mom, to Misty, right? I'm like, hey, mom. They're like, that's your mom? I still get that. And we've been here for years. So I just had to clarify. But my sister and I, we are nine years apart. And so if you know what that means, that means free babysitter. <laughs> no, actually, that means you kind of have a second mom. But one day, my mom was uh, walking around. I think we were heading out to leave somewhere or something. And, you know, she got the mom's stance. And she got, baby, you know, on the hip, Mary Jo's probably only... I don't even know, a year old. She got Mary Jo on the hip, maybe one or two. And you know how it is, looking for keys, looking for your purse, or whatever it is you're leaving. And I just see her going like, like kind of like starting to be a little bit frantic looking around. And she looks at me, she's like, where's your sister? <laughs> and I was like, um, on your hip? And she was like, oh my, oh. You know, she does that kind of number. <laughs> and uh, I'm kind of using that as an example. <laughs> That you can have something. You can have something all day. You can be right there on your hip and you don't even know you have it. And so, sozo, the gospel is an all-encompassing gospel. When Jesus died, you know he didn't just die for your sins, but for your healing, for your prosperity, and everything that pertains to life and godliness. But the difference is the revelation that everything he's done in Christ is now in you. So today, we're actually talking about revelation knowledge. <clears throat> so that is the topic for today, is revelation knowledge. So do you know, here's another question, when did we have the ability to use electricity? Always. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> always. The, the, the option or the ability was always there. But it wasn't honed in and used and started to use in homes until the end of the 19th century. So 
the, uh, the ability was always there, but it wasn't applied, and the aha moment hadn't occurred yet. The revelation of it hadn't occurred yet to then be applied. So what's the difference between you and an unsaved individual on the street? You have the revelation of the gospel of Jesus. You've confessed it and you've applied it. They have not. It's there. It's available for them. Jesus died for them. Everything he already, everything he's done, it's already been done. Salvation's already happened. Your healing's already happened. Your, your prosperity, your life, you know, a good life that's already been made available to you. And it's been made, made available to them and to your unsaved family members. <clears throat> but they have not had the revelation and have not applied it to their lives. And so I want to say, not only in the area of salvation, but the greater revelation you have in something, the more authoritatively you'll take a stand on it. Amen. Which means the more you'll walk in it. So again, this applies in every area of the word. You have to have revelation knowledge on every area of the word if you're going to walk in it, if you're going to authoritatively take your stand on it and not back down on what you believe. But if you just hear the word and you come to church or even read your word, your devotional, and you kind of just let the word eh, in, in one ear, one out the other. Or I read my, my word today, but, you know, I, I did my devotional today. I can flip the page over. Then you're not actually going to stand on that word. When push comes to shove, when winds and waves come, your house is built on sand. And you might think you're getting the word in. And you're getting the word in, but if you don't have revelation, if that word doesn't mean anything to you, if, it doesn't, if you don't have the aha moment of that word to you, then you're not going to stand on it when push comes to shove. Amen? Amen. And so, for example, <clears throat> when you are absolutely 100% convinced that you're healed, you won't take anything else. When you are 100% absolutely convinced that you're free from some addiction or whatever bondage you were chained to, you will no longer walk in that bondage. You will take those chains off. It was readily available to you this whole time, but until you have the revelation of it, and when you really get the revelation of it, you'll take the chains off and you'll walk in it, but not until then. And so <clears throat> I'm going to give you an example for me in my life. So about 10 years ago, 9 or 10 years ago, about a decade ago, I was healed of asthma. Well, really, 2,000 years ago I was healed of asthma, but you get what I'm saying. Amen. So <laughs> I grabbed the revelation of it about 10 years ago. So I was 15 or 16, and uh, I remember I had co started coming to Word of Life Church, and I started reading my word, and I was coming to youth at the time. And I think this took place um, after youth camp. So this is when I really started getting on fire for the Lord and started actually reading my Bible, yes. And so the Bible was coming alive to me because I had been filled with the Holy Ghost, and um, I'm reading the word, and I'm starting to get revelation. I remember I'm in my bedroom. I think I was sitting on my bed. And I, I thought I had the aha moment. <clears throat> I had the, wait a second. All right. If this person was healed, and this person was healed by their faith, and this person was healed by their faith, and that person I've seen, their testimony that I know, they were healed and they were healed. If it works for them, it has to work for me. Amen. And if the word says you know, if I'm going to take my stance on Romans 10, 9, and 10 that says if I confess him as Lord, then I'm actually saved. And if I believe that I'm saved because I read it and confessed it, then that means I have to believe that I'm healed if I read it and confess it. 
And so when the aha moment came to me and I had revelation, now picture, right? I had an inhaler. Every time I ran, um, did any kind of physical activity, there was this one specific inhaler and it had to stay in the backpack at school, blah, blah, blah. Then once I got to like high school, um, at some point in time, it started to be not only just when running and stuff, but it started to become like a seasonal thing where you just like wake up and, and wheeze or like going to bed and just wheeze for no reason. And so uh, the doctor at the time uh, had uh, prescribed like another one. So then there was this one you take daily, day, at day and night, and then this one if you run and stuff, then you take whatever. So I had two. And I remember, like who here knows that's not the God kind of life. That's not the abundant life God has for you. And so when I got revelation of that and I realized, wait, I don't have to live like this, at 15 or 16 years old, I threw them away. I was in my room and I thought, now you have to think, you have to think about this. For someone to think, you know, if they don't have an inhaler and they can't breathe and then you die, right? Well, you know, in your mind, you always go to like the worst case scenario. And I remember, anyway, I'm not going to get to that part. So I remember I had got to a resolve. You have to come to a resolve in your Christian life. You have to come to a resolve where you say either all of it is true or none of it is true. Either God is true and let every man be a liar or none of it is true. And so I got to a point where I literally said at 15 or 16 years old, if I die, I die standing on the word of God. If this doesn't work for me, then that means none of it works for me. If the healing power of the word of God doesn't work for me, then salvation doesn't work for me. And what's the point of living? And I wasn't suicidal or nothing. You know, I didn't have no suicidal thoughts, nothing like that. But I did think, what's the point of being here if all of this is wrong? If everything I'm reading is wrong, if me, you know, worshiping God and getting alone with God, if it's wrong, what's the point? Why am I here? Why are we here? I got, I literally came to that conclusion at 15 or 16 years old. And I thought, it's either all true or none of it's true. I'm just as much healed as I am saved. I'm just as much free as I am saved. Either all of it's true or none of it's true. And so I got to that point, and I remember I, uh, I, that's when I, got, I took the inhalers and I got up and I threw them away. And I said, God, I'm standing on the word. Either I live or I die, but I'm on the word. But I knew I was going to live. <laughs> and so I walked over, I remember I walked over to uh, my mom's room actually to tell her because I was still only 15 or 16 years old. I think 16 at the time. And, um, and so I still knew, like, I told her, by the, hey, by the way, and I came ready. I was ready to defend the gospel. I was ready to say why and that I'm standing on the word. I was ready for her to be like, no, you know, because I will say at the time too, um, oh, she's here in the back. Yeah, um, I, uh, I was the first in my household to really get on fire for the Lord and start getting deep into these things before my mom, before my sister, before anyone. And so I was readily, I was waiting for her to like push back, you know, <laughs> but actually she didn't. Praise God. Got a good mom. <laughs> she was like, okay. I was like, what? Oh, okay, sweet. You know, I thought she was going to be like, no, don't do that. Uh, but I had such a resolve on the inside of me. And again, honor, you know, honor your parents and everything. But if it goes against the word of God, that I was prepared. I was like, but I have the word to say it. So you have to come to a resolve. This is actually a little sneak peek, too, of a Wednesday night coming up service about having that resolve. But I had grabbed a hold of the revelation of the word that I had already been healed, which caused me to throw those away and to walk on it. But until you have revelation of it, if I had just heard it and heard it, which I had heard it, 
If I had just heard it and heard it, if I had just read it and read it, and it didn't mean something to me, then I would not have been able to walk on it. Oh, and I'll tell you the testimony of that, by the way. I've been healed for 10 years. There has never, ever uh, re- tried to even come back. Amen. Literally run everything and have, there's no wheezing. There's no, nothing like that. Complete and total healing. Um, I would say a month, I think a month after I made that decision and started walking in the light of that, I think it did try one time about like a month later. And I got so mad when I tell you, I was at a friend's house and we were exercising in her room (laughs) and I had like started wheezing or something. And I was so angry. You have to have a righteous anger against the things of darkness, against the kingdom of darkness. I had a righteous anger built up in me. I was so mad. I was like, oh no, absolutely not. And that's what the revelation of the word will do to you. It'll bring up a resolve. You'll have a certain faith attitude that will make you say, absolutely not. This is what the word of God says, and I will take nothing less. And so I got, I got up and I started, I was, I was causing a ruckus up in there. I really was. I was like, absolutely not in the name of Jesus. I was like stomping on the devil's head. And I'll tell you, it's literally not even tried 10 years and I've ne- it's, it's, uh, that's what happens when you're healed. You're so healed. I'm so healed that I forgot it actually that I had asthma. I actually remembered the other day and was like, you know what? I should testify about that. I should share about that because I forgot I even ever had it. You're so healed that you'll forget you ever even had the thing. Amen. Amen. You're so new. You're so righteous. You're such a new creation. You ever forget things that you did when you were an old creation? Like you totally, you're like, oh my gosh, I did that. Embarrassing. (laughs) Because now you're such a new creation. The old really has passed away. You really are made brand new. Not just shiny and polished, but actually a whole new species, a whole new type, a whole new being. And so it'll make you even forget what the old even was. Amen. Amen. But only from a revelation in that area are you going to walk and stand your ground in that area. So you can only walk in the word that you know. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Or in Pastor Daryl's translation, shall make you mad. (laughs) It will set you free. So that means you can only be free to the extent that you know the word. You can only have freedom in an area that you've actually read, believed, received, confessed, and applied in your life. You can only be free to the extent of the word that you know. Amen? We're going to go to Job 32, 2 through 9. Job 32, 2 through 9. I know for early morning service, we don't have the, what's it called? I have it up on there, on the screens. But Job is right for Psalms, by the way. Help you out. 32, 2 through 9. Especially 6 through 9, though. So... A lot of y'all probably know the story of Job in here. I'm not going to go super deep into it because I don't have time. Um, But after everything that happened with Job and he was stripped of all these things, he had these three friends. (laughs) And these three friends weren't really that good of friends. (laughs) Friends, right? They told uh, Job, they were like, you know, it must have been some secret sin that you did. It must have been something you did to bring this upon yourself. And they were condemning him, condemning him, condemning him. And so there's a fourth person here in this story named Elihu. So Elihu uh, 
waited, and he heard the replies of these three friends, and he could not contain himself. It says later on in the chapter that it was like uh, new, uh, it was like wine and new wineskins. His stomach felt like it was about to burst. You ever uh, wanted to say something so bad you felt like you're about to burst? <laughs> like you had to keep your mouth shut, you know, if you weren't, or you couldn't keep your mouth shut any longer, and you're like, I have to say something. I have to say something. So this is what it was for Elihu. So Elihu, it says, uh, his wrath was aroused against the three friends in verse 3. Because they had found no answer and yet condemned Job. They didn't have an answer for Job. They just sat there and condemned him. They didn't actually have a good answer to give him. Now, now those three friends, they were older. And so they had some earthly wisdom. And wisdom is good. Even natural wisdom is good. But we'll see that their natural wisdom actually didn't solve the problem. They just condemned uh, Job and didn't help him at all. But it says... Now, because they were years older than he, Elihu waited to speak to Job. He wanted to be respectful because the other three were older than him, especially back in that time. And so it says in verse 5, when Elihu saw that there was no answer in the mouth of these three men, his wrath was, ar- his wrath was aroused. How are they? These men are older than me, and they're not even helping this guy. They don't even have an answer to give him, is what he's saying there. So then it says in verse 6, this is what he says, I am young in years. And you're very old. Therefore, I was afraid and dared not declare my opinion to you. He didn't want to get, like, slapped. Like, you're young and you're not supposed to talk. So, <laughs> so in verse 7, it says, I said age should speak and multitude of years should teach wisdom. This reminds me of Jeremiah chapter 1, uh, verses 6 through 7, where uh, God tells Jeremiah to say something. And Jeremiah says, oh, but I'm a youth. And God says, don't say you're a youth. Don't say that. You say what I say. And so in verse 7 here, it says, or sorry, in verse 8, but there is a spirit in man, and the breath of the Almighty gives him understanding. He's talking about here revelation knowledge that God puts in your spirit. And then he says, great men, which means men of many years, are not always wise, nor do the aged always understand justice. What am I saying here? I'm not actually here to talk about as far as the age goes. What I'm here to talk about is wisdom that comes from God, which is separate and different than the wisdom that you would gain from experience. And although experience talks and God uses experience and it's really good, uh, there's a certain wisdom that you can only get from God. There's a certain revelation that you can only get from God. Let me give you an example. How is Teresa going to counsel someone who's been on drugs if she's never been on drugs? I don't know if you've been on drugs. I'm just saying, you know, maybe in your past life. But how is she going to counsel someone? <laughs> she said no. <laughs> no. How is she going to counsel someone and help them get free? And if they say, oh, well, how do you know you've never been on drugs? <laughs> do you have to go and get into the type of bondage that people are in to help them get out of that bondage? No. no. It's called the Holy Ghost. Amen. The Word of God is the power and the Holy Spirit will give you revelation straight in your spirit to help you minister, to help you counsel, and to help you do what God has called you to do. And you don't have to have these things that people say you need to have, you know, experience and things that maybe weren't good in the world to be able to help somebody else out. It's not true. God, I mean, God told Jeremiah, don't say your youth. I have a word. I put it in your mouth and I need you to speak it out. And so you sitting here today, God's spirit, if you're, if you're spirit-filled, which looking at everyone that's in here, I believe you are, uh, 
If you're spirit-filled, you have God, the Holy Ghost. Teresa was just preaching on this the past three weeks. You have God, the Holy Ghost, on the inside of you, speaking to you and giving you revelation of what the Word says. They come together. The Word and the Spirit, it is not only beneficial, it's necessary, it's a must to have both the Word and the Spirit. For it's dry without the Holy Ghost. There's a quote I remember I learned in Bible School in Tampa. I think it was... um, all word, no spirit, you'll dry up. All spirit, no word, you'll blow up. But if you have both, you'll grow up. Amen. Write that down, somebody. <laughs> That's good. But see, Elihu knew that it comes by wisdom, by your spirit. There is a revelation that needs to be had in the word. Everything in the word comes by revelation. Everything, for you to attain it, you must, it must be revealed to you. That's what revelation means, revealed. And so why is that? It's because everything has already been done, right? Salvation's been done, like I said before. Healing's been done, prosperity's been done. God has, Jesus has already sat you at the right hand of the Father. But until you know that you know that, you will not walk in it, and you won't walk like it's true. Power is tied to revelation. Everyone say power, power. Is, tied is tied to revelation. So walking in the light of the word, more word, more light. And more light means you can see. Seeing is understanding. To have your eyes flooded with light is what enlightened means. So we're going to get into that part of Revelation, which is on light and understanding. Proverbs 4.19. Proverbs right after Psalms. You might be like, okay, I already know that. Hey, I'm a youth pastor, so i got to help him out, you know. Proverbs is right after Psalms. (laughs) Proverbs 4.19. Now, I got some good youth. We got good youth here. They know, let me tell you, they probably get to it quicker than adults that I know, okay? They know the word. Amen. Proverbs 4.19. It says, the way of the wicked is like darkness. So we're going here on the opposite side here. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. Do you have friends or do you know people <laughs> that, you know, they, they say things, you know, unsafe friends, family members, people, you know, that say, man, I just can't catch a break. You know, the, the fridge stopped working, and then I need a new tire on the car, and then once I get that fixed, then my kid, this happens with my kid, and then this happens, and I just can't catch a break, man. They're walking in darkness and don't know what makes them stumble. They're constantly stumbling and stumbling because they have no light. They have no revelation. They have no light in their life to shed. It says the word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. If you have no light, you will stumble. And so they have no revelation in the area that if they would be givers, they would be blessed. That in Malachi, it says that he would open, not only open the windows of heaven, but that he'd rebuke the devourer for your sake. The devourer is not rebuked if you're not tithing, and their stuff is getting eaten up. The devourer is eating up all their stuff. They don't know. They don't know what makes them stumble. They're walking in darkness and don't know what makes them stumble. How many of you in here (laughs) have been going to leave, leave your house, and, you know, you forgot something? And so you're like, you already turned off all the lights and you already kind of started locking up. But you're like, ah, I need my Bible though because it's church. I can't go without my Bible. Okay. So you go back inside, right? And you run to your room. But how many of you don't bother turning on the light switch 
because you know where everything is in the room. You know where everything is, so why bother turning on? Even though the light switch is right there, you could have just turned it on. But, you know, I know where everything is. So you run in. How many of y'all have done that? Didn't turn the light on, just decided to try to grab it? Okay, now put your hands down. Now, how many of those same people um, did you end up hitting the kneecap, hitting your pinky toe, your elbow? Okay, you still ended up running into something. Even though you knew where everything was, you ended up hitting into something. Because, obviously, you cannot see without the light. And as much as, much as you think you know about the area, as much as you think you know, you don't know, you can't see, and you're going to still run into something. So these people are walking around in darkness, and they don't even know that they're stumbling because they're in darkness, and they need the light. They need the light of the gospel. They need the Holy Ghost to show them things. Amen? Amen. And so they're walking around in darkness, and they don't even know what makes them stumble. But, so that's talking about, you know, the the wicked, the heathen, right? But I want to get into another area here. How many of you, this isn't a trick question, so you can, it's a very easy answer on purpose. How many of you know that in your house, you can have lights on in one room and not lights on another? You can have lights on in the kitchen and have the light off in the bathroom, right? You can have the light on in the dining room and the lights off in your bedroom. Okay, so in the same way, you can have areas in your life or areas in the Word where you have light in where you have understanding and you have revelation in that area. But simultaneously, you can also be dark in other areas. You cannot have understanding in the way you should in another area. You can know that you know that you're healed. You can know that you know, you know, that you're saved, that you're healed, that you're redeemed. But you started watching... uh, Maxwell on YouTube, you started watching uh, John, John MacArthur, and you started, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm name dropping, but you, you know, you started watching someone on YouTube that's against the prosperity message, and you start letting that get on the inside, and you start deciding, oh, wait, actually, um, God does want me broke so I can be humble, or, you know, whatever dumb stuff they say. So, <laughs> you can be totally healed and be broke, yeah. right? Or you can be prospering and your body is not. And so you can have light in one area and not in another. And and so you have to study out every area of the word, get revelation on it, and apply it to your life. So this is a continual thing in your Christian life. We are going to continually be reading and studying and gaining revelation knowledge in these areas of your life. Amen? So that you can have light in every area. So your house can be well lit. Amen? And so I want to go to... uh, Ephesians 4, Ephesians 4, 18, 17 through 18. Ephesians. Ephesians 4, 18. So I'm going to do 17 to 18. This I say, so this is Paul talking to the church at Ephesus. And he said, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. Verse 18 is what we're getting to here. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. Kind of keep that in your pocket because I'm going to come back to that. Understanding darkened, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. So we're going to get into that. 
But it says that they walk in darkness, and it also says they're alienated from the life of God. Well, if you know in John, uh, John chapter 1, it talks about Jesus not only being the light, but being the life. John 1, 4. Actually, go to John 1, 4. John 1, 4. So keep that Ephesians 4, 18 just kind of in your pocket. But we're going to go to John 1, 4. John 1, 4 says... In him was life, that's Zoe, and the Zoe life was the light of men. The life of God, the Zoe life of God is the light of men. And so it says not only were their understand, was their understanding darkened because they're not, in the, they're not in Christ. Not only do they not have light revelation, but they also don't have life, the Zoe life of God. But you see the Bible here puts light and puts life kind of like in the same category. Jesus is the light, Jesus is the life, kind of in the same category. Not only do those that you know not have the life of God, alienated from God, but they also have no light and no understanding. And so if you look at, he's saying there in Ephesians 4, 18, he's talking about those who don't know Christ, but if you look at Ephesians 1, 18, which most of y'all know this, Ephesians 1, 18, the Ephesians 1 prayer, he says he's actually praying for the church at Ephesus. And if you know, if you're smart, if you're wise, you'll look at what Paul prays for the churches. You'll want to know what, what is he praying for these churches and do I need to be praying them, right? When I look at what Paul was praying, I'm like, okay, this is the Apostle Paul. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. I need to see what he's saying, what he's praying for these churches. And so if you look at Ephesians 1.18, which we're very, like, strong about here, so that's good. <laughs> Let's go to Ephesians 1.18. You might already be there. Great, if you are. Good job. Ephesians 1.18. It says, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you know the hope of his calling, the riches of his glory, his inheritance in the saints. He's talking about here that your eyes, your spiritual eyes, will be flooded with light. Enlightened means flooded with light. So he makes a clear distinction here in Ephesians 4.18 of those who have darkness that they don't see with spiritual eyes. They cannot see. Their understanding is darkened. And then you see the difference here in Ephesians 1.18, and he's praying, and he's talking about your eyes being flooded with light. And every believer is to have this revelation kind of life where they are walking in the light of the word that they can see clearly by the light of the gospel. And so Acts chapter 9, we have a very good example of this, of Paul. So you don't have to turn there. I'll paraphrase for you. Acts chapter 9, Paul, at the time he's Saul, right? And he met with Jesus. And so he's on the road to Damascus. And on the way, Jesus shows up. Saul had been persecuting Christians, killing Christians, you know, right? And so a light shone all around. A light shone all around. I'm getting to a point here. And he was without sight for three days. What else do we know took place in three days? It's not a trick question. <laughs> yes, the resurrection. I heard somebody say. <laughs> yes, the resurrection. Sorry, that's funny. Church services are so funny when you ask questions. It's like, <laughs> but it's a, you don't want to get called out because you like said the wrong thing. It's not wrong though. It is the resurrection. And so <laughs> he was without sight for three days. Then Ananias laid hands on his eyes for his eyes to be open and to be filled with the Holy Ghost. So the word says, for his eyes to be open, 
and for it to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And then something fell like scales off of his eyes. So then in Acts 9.20, it says immediately. Everyone say immediately. Immediately. Immediately then he preached Christ in the synagogues. What did he preach? That Jesus is the Son of God. So all of that that took place is really a type and shadow. All of that that took place, it's a real account that happened, but it's also showing you what it is whenever you came into Christ, this light of the gospel was shed abroad on your heart and you were able to see that you are now in Christ, that the resurrection, when he was raised from the dead, you were raised with him, that when you were filled with the Holy Ghost, your spiritual eyes opened and light was flooded on your understanding and then immediately he went and preached in, in, the, in the synagogue, which means he had revelation. Jesus is Lord. What did he preach? That Jesus was the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God is the ultimate revelation. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the ultimate revelation. And so revelation always precedes confession and application. When you have a revelation of something, then comes your confession of it and your application of it. How many of you in here have been reading the Word and you got revelation of something that you were reading and you were like, oh, you're so excited because that's how, you know, when you get revelation of something, you're like, mind blown. So you're like, yeah, so you write it down. And then you want to tell people. Like, you just want to, you want to go into, and that's when you end up finding out usually the hard way to not cast a pearl before swine. How many of y'all had to find that out the hard way? You're so excited and you follow the Word, so you're just like, wow, look at this whoa, this is so awesome. And then they're like, okay, cool. And you're like, oh man, you don't understand. You just want to shake them because that light has been <laughs> shed abroad on you and your understanding has been open. And so um, it, it actually always makes a confession out of you and you apply it. The ones that are doers of the word, y'all that are in here, y'all are doers of the word. Amen. 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 Y'all doers of the word, it's because you've had revelation of that word. Only ones who have had revelation of the word they read are the ones that do it. Amen? And the ones that confess it. Amen? And so it has to do with a heart position. So Matthew 15, 14. Matthew 15, 14. This is Jesus talking. Red letters. Importante. <laughs> he says, leave them alone. In Matthew 15, 14. Leave them alone. They're blind leaders of the blind. One falls into a ditch, they're all going to fall into a ditch. They're all blind. And so Jesus here is talking about their hearts. He's talking about a heart position. It's not that they can't see, it's that they won't. This is a willful blindness. This is a self-imposed blindness. This is a blindness of the heart. They won't open their hearts to see. They won't open their hearts to believe. I, now this right here that I'm about to tell you, this is kind of a, this is a personal opinion on this part of the Bible. I will clarify. But I feel, ooh, hold on, got my hair stuck in the mic. Okay. I feel that, I believe that Paul had scales that fell off. I believe it was covering the revelation, like the enemy, right? But that his heart wasn't blind. I believe that because when Jesus was shown to him and that light was shown all around, he said, Lord. I believe that although he was doing all those wicked things, he didn't have revelation. He thought he was doing this for God. He really thought he was doing the right thing. And so when the 
scales fell off his eyes. I believe that's different than those Pharisees that Jesus was talking about, those Pharisees and Sadducees in Matthew 15, 14, where their heart was blind. Why? Because when Jesus showed up in front of him and his heart cried out and he called him Lord and then right immediately he said, what do you want me to do? Got revelation of the gospel and said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And then immediately went and did it. That's different than the Pharisees and Sadducees who Jesus was right in front of them the whole time and they still would not see. They still would not see, not could not, would not see. And so the difference there is their heart position. And so Pharisees had Jesus right in front of them. They had light in front of them and they still couldn't see. So people now, they have the word right in front of them. People have the word and yet still can't see. If they don't have the right heart position, they won't have revelation of the word. And so that makes the difference. What your heart posture is when you read the word. Obviously being filled with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost brings light. But we're going to get to that. So let's go to 2 Corinthians 3, 7 through 16. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 through 16. So I really want to get this across about Revelation because you won't, I know you won't walk in it if you don't believe it for yourself and have had light shed abroad on your eyes. And that makes the difference, rather than just hearing the word, but actually walking in it. The revelation of it is what makes the difference. So Second uh, Corinthians 3, 7 through 14. So, so this is talking about the Old Testament law versus now. So it says, this is uh, Paul speaking here, if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones, that's the law, if that was glorious, so the children of Israel, they couldn't even look at the face of Moses, Right? How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? How would now, by grace, through faith, how would that not be even more glorious, is what he's saying here. He says, if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. That means if you put it up next to each other, old, new, the other one doesn't even look like it has any glory compared to the glory of the new. That's what it says there. For if what is passing away is glorious, what remains is much more glorious. So temporary things have some amount of glory. How much more are these eternal things is what he's saying. And so he said, we're going to confess boldly this. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away, but their minds or their hearts, minds and hearts can be interchanged somewhat in the word were blinded, their minds or their hearts were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. To this day, Jews, when they read the word, to this day, there is still a veil over the eyes. To this day, until you are in Christ, the veil is not taken away. It is the revelation of Christ, you in Christ, that takes the veil away and opens your eyes. So it says... To this day, until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the re- when they read the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. But they won't. They will not believe that Christ is the Messiah. Certain, some people. But even to this day, when Moses is read, the veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, verse 16, nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. How many of y'all in here would say that before you knew the Lord, before you walked with the Lord, you know, the Bible made no sense. You tried to read it. It was a bunch of gibberish. It was like old talk. And you're like, what is this? This is boring, 
right? And before you really came into true fellowship with the Lord, filled with the Holy Ghost, did, was the veil actually taken away? And now all of a sudden you read the word and boom, it's popping out to you. Boom, it's popping out to you. The revelation of the word, it's just coming up, coming up, coming up. Because the Holy Spirit brings light and actually brings life to the words that are on the page. For there is power in the word, but the spirit brings the life. And so the spirit will actually take the word that's on the pages and put them in your heart. It also says in the word that what was written on tablets with, of, of stone has now been written in your heart. That's the difference. That's the difference of when you're walking it now, it's actually on the inside of you rather than just on some, on some paper, on some tablet of stone. And that's what made the difference because it's now on the inside of you. But the Holy Spirit will bring that revelation of that word to you. And so the word is there and it's truth, but the spirit brings light to that truth, illuminates it, brings it to life. Amen? Amen. And the third point I want to make here is that revelation fuels your faith. Revelation fuels your faith. Now you know in here, you know that without faith it's impossible to please God. Hebrews chapter 11. You're not going to be able to please God without faith. And so although this message isn't on faith, revelation does fuel your faith. Here's a quote by Pastor Mark. The spirit of faith is lit with revelation knowledge. That's good. Another quote by Pastor Mark. Hankins. Every breakthrough in faith is a breakthrough first in revelation knowledge. That's powerful. It's so true. Anytime that your faith has been stirred, anytime that you decide to step out on the word by faith, it's because you've gotten a revelation of that word. It's because that word was revealed to your heart. You actually know what that word means to you. And so we know faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Well, when the Logos word, which is the written word, becomes a rhema word to you, then your faith will grow. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. Why? Why do you need to hear? Why, why repetitive? Because repetition brings revelation. That was another word, uh, quote that I learned in Bible school. Repetition brings revelation. That's why Pastor Daryl will talk about when Pastor Mark's here. You know, he'll say, I'm, I'm not scared to talk about this again, tell you the story again, tell you the story again, because Pastor Mark broke me free of that, is what he said. Because Pastor Mark will tell the same story, and you'll still be like, wow, that's good, right? Ah, you don't go, oh, I've heard that before. And if that is your heart posture, you won't receive anything from God. Yeah. But when you open up your heart and you say, no, there's a fresh revelation here for me today. There's a fresh revelation of this word. When I read this word, it means something new. It means something fresh. And it's something good for me today in this word. It's not old and stale and something that I already know that. I've heard that before. Oh, I've heard Pastor tell that story before. If that is your heart, you will leave here the same way that you came here. But if you open up your heart and your heart position isn't like that of the Pharisees and Sadducees who had blindness in their heart and said, oh, not that I can't see, but I won't see it. If you come in instead with the heart posture open and ready to receive and saying, this word is fresh and alive to me. This word was written to me. This word was actually, my name's on this. This letter was actually written to me. Then it'll come alive and you'll have fresh revelation of that word. The Holy Spirit will bring it to you, to your heart, to your mind. If you have an open heart like that. Amen? Amen. And so it's the revelation of the word that brings the difference. It's the light that brings life to the word. It makes it alive to you. That's when, when Revelation is when the word jumps off the page and into your heart. So, and it always produces a confession. And that confession 
always then turns into an application of that word. And so the two main factors of faith are confession and application. You know that. Because faith, you know, faith talks. You know, you use your mouth. And also, uh, faith without works is dead. And so that revelation of the word will cause you to then, just like Paul, he immediately went and started preaching, Jesus is the son of God in the synagogues because he had revelation of it. When you got saved and you got filled with the Holy Ghost, how many, you know, when you went and started telling people and telling your friends, right? Trace is laughing because she knows what I mean. I know when she was listening to Pastor Mark when she was here cleaning and she was listening to Pastor Mark and uh, then she went to work and has got everybody else on Pastor Mark and now there's actually other people from her work here that are in the back and they probably listen to Pastor Mark because when you have revelation of something, it's like when there's a really good product and you, you know, this is the best cup. I've ever used. And once, you, once, you're, once that's your resolve, once you've had a revelation, this is the best cup I've ever used. You want to go tell everybody, this is the best cup. You should have this cup. This is actually a pretty good cup, but I'm not trying to sell it to you. And so, <laughs> and so when you have revelation of something, of what it means to you, and it becomes live and real to you, you are going to tell others about it, period. Naturally, that's the fruit of having revelation is your confession and then your application of it. My confession, this is such a great cup. I'm telling you, you should have it. You should get it. You should use it. It holds water so well. <laughs> and, then, and then your application of it, I'm using it. I'm using the water bottle because I believe it. The word that you have revelation of will be the word that you use, will be the word that you walk in. You can tell when someone has a revelation of the word. You can tell when someone's walking in it rather than they're just telling you. You can tell when someone actually believes it. You can tell when someone actually has had revelation and now has applied it to their life. Amen? The word says to be doers of the word in James chapter 1 and not hearers only because then you're only deceiving yourself. So there has to come a point where you're not just a hearer, but you gain revelation of it because of your heart posture, because you're hungry for it, because you want to know the word, and then it actually produces a good confession and a good application of it. Amen. Amen. So the word of God, or revelation of the word of God, fuels your faith. And so I want to encourage you that a hungry heart in the right position with God, you're going to have revelation if you're filled with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost will enlighten your eyes. If you're hungry for it and you want to go, how do I get revelation? You know what? I'm going to give you a practical, a practical thing, actually, here, a practical step. I will tell you, before I was on staff here, before I went to Bible school, uh, I was here. I was cleaning the church. And so you, I was you <laughs> a couple years ago, and um, maybe five, six, seven years ago. And so I was cleaning the bathrooms and cleaning the youth room. And I, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, those times of serving in that capacity, in that way, I had the most revelation. I had God, the Holy Ghost, spoke to me so much while I was cleaning. You want to have revelation? Come clean the bathrooms. I'm telling you, if you want revelation of the word, come clean here. Because I had so much, the Lord spoke to me about so many different things. Things that, I mean, I would literally be vacuuming. I was actually vacuuming in the youth room right there. I remember this specific moment. I was vacuuming over by the youth room, and I had to keep stopping because I had to keep pulling up my phone and taking notes because I'm like, oh, I don't want to forget that. I'm like, oh, Lord, that's good. So I like write it down, and then I started vacuuming again. So it took like an extra hour just because I kept stopping and taking out my phone and writing the notes in my phone. And so um, I remember I was vacuuming, and then the Lord actually started talking to me about marriage and what to do if this happens and do this. And I'm like, that is good. So I'm like writing it down. And I'm like, only not only things that the Holy Ghost could speak straight to your heart, but it was in a it was in a, a position of serving. When your heart, when you're serving the Lord with your whole heart, you will level up. 
When you serve the Lord with your whole heart, he will bring you to the place that you need to be at. And he will give you revelation of things. And he will show you things and open your eyes to things because your heart position is in a position of serving, of serving God, saying, this is the house of the Lord. I want to give my all. And so your eyes will be open. The Holy Ghost will speak to you when you're in that kind of position. Amen? Amen. Also, pray in the Holy Ghost. Come on. If, y'all go, if you go to this church, you know this. If you go to this church, you got to know this point about praying in the Holy Ghost. You must know by now. And if, don't, if you don't, now you know that you got to pray in the Holy Ghost. When you, this is a quote by Dr. Mary Fran. When you pray in your heavenly language, you speak divine secrets unto your Father and turn mysteries into revelation. I mean, that comes straight up from Jude uh, 9. It says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, what? Praying in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost will turn mysteries into revelation to you. Paul actually talks about this revelation that he carried. I mean, great revelation that Paul carried, right? He said it was, at one point before Paul got the revelation of it, it was a mystery. It was still a mystery. It was still very real, but it was a mystery. It wasn't known to the, to the human mind. You didn't, there wasn't an understanding of it until God, the Holy Ghost, gave the revelation of it to Paul. And then Paul wrote it, and, you know, when he wrote the two-thirds of the New Testament, but he wrote about what happened in Christ, what actually happened in you, which is the ultimate revelation of, is in Christ. And so when you build up your faith praying in the Holy Ghost, you see how your revelation is tied to your faith? You see how it takes faith, it takes, it takes revelation of the word for your faith to grow, for you to actually apply it to your life. You can see that there's people who don't apply the word to their life. They don't have faith in that area. Well, they don't read the word on it. If you don't read the word on it, you can't get revelation of word you don't read. Come on now, somebody, write that down. You can't get revelation. Come on, somebody, write that down. You cannot get revelation on a word that you do not read. Yeah. You can't ask the Lord, oh, give me revelation. You don't even read his word. That's not going to work. <laughs> That's not going to work. But the Lord, as you have a hungry heart and you seek after him, the word will open up to you. And as you pray in the Holy Ghost, the word will open up to you. But I'm, I, let me tell you this. I want to kind of encourage you, kind of challenge you here. I should be able to look at any one of you in any area of the word. I should be able to look at you and say, give me three scriptures on healing. Give me three scriptures right now that you're righteous. Give me, you should be able to, boom, boom, boom. Isaiah 53, 1 Peter 2, 24, Galatians 3, 13. You should be able to, to, that word should be so ingrained in you. It shouldn't be, well, my pastor said. Well, um, like the other Sunday ago, my pastor, my pastor actually, Teresa, Teresa was just preaching on that. And the Holy Ghost, let me, let me go back on YouTube. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with going back and re-listening. To, I'm not saying that you should have everyone's sermon memorized. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is you should know why you believe what you believe. Amen. You should know. You should have the word so on the, ingrained on the inside of you. You should be able to teach it. Actually, Paul says that. In Hebrews, Paul says you ought to be. Now, he was correcting a certain group. He was correcting them. But he said you ought to be teachers at this point. But right now, I'm still teaching you the first principles of oracles of God. Those who should have been teaching the word at that point, they still needed to be taught the word is what he was saying. There comes a point in your Christian life and your Christian walk that you've heard that word and you've heard that word and you've read it. But you should have a heart position and you should be uh, expecting God to speak to you that you should come to a point where you're having your own revelation of the word of what it means to you. And then you can be able to teach it to somebody else because that is when you'll be applying it to your life. When you're able, when you have revelation of it and you are able to teach somebody else, I know that you're applying it to your life. I know that you're using it in your daily life. Amen? Amen. And so I want to encourage you that 
If you have a heart after God, you're seeking after God, and you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you're reading your word, you're praying, you will get revelation of that word. And revelation is what it takes that builds up your faith, builds up your faith. We have faith so high, you can just use your faith for anything. It has to come from the word. It always comes from the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen? But that word of God right there, hearing and hearing by the word of God, is rhema. It's not lagos. It's rhema. The rhema word. That's when the Holy Ghost highlights it, puts it in your heart. It's a word straight from God to you. Lagos word is the written word. And so once the Lagos becomes rhema to you, you'll actually walk in it and see the fruit of it. Amen? There has to be life for there to be fruit of something. There has to be life. There has to be light. There has to be water, like a plant. There has to be light. There has to be water, right, for fruit to grow. There has to be light, revelation, life. There has to be the life of God for to actually have fruit coming from it. You can read your word and have no fruit because you're not walking in it because you don't have revelation of it. But as soon as you turn on the flashlight, as soon as you turn on the, the light in the room, now you can see things for what it truly is. And it says in the word that uh, the word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. You don't have to be like those who walk around and don't know what makes them stumble. Man, I don't know why this isn't happening, this isn't working, and this isn't working. You can be here and have been coming here for years. You can come, you can have a daily devotional you do every day, never miss a day of church. Awesome, that is good. It says don't forsake the assembling of the saints. Amen, that's awesome. But you can still be here, and you and the person next to you are very different in their walk, where one of you could be applying that word to your life, and one of you just been a hearer of the word, deceiving yourself. It all depends on you and your heart posture. The same word that's preached from this pulpit goes to every ear that's here. You see it happening in some people's lives, and you don't see it happening in other people's lives. It's what you do with the word. It says also in the word that the word is like a seed, that the kingdom of God is like a seed. The seed, you know the parable of the sower? Let me look at the time. Uh, you, know the <laughs> you know the parable of the sower? Where it says... Um, that the same seed, right, went on three, four different soils. And so whenever, well, one of them wasn't soil at all. It fell on the wayside. But then there was stony ground, there was thorns, and then there was actual good soil. You see, I preached this in youth before, that the seed was the same. The Word of God is the same in each scenario. The Word of God always works. But your heart posture what you do with that word is what makes the difference between you and the person next to you. One who's walking in it and one who's not. You can see ministers walking fully. I mean, casting out devils, walking in the power of God. I mean, you see ministers who walk in the power. You know what I'm talking about. You can tell when there's ministers who walk in the power of God. And you can tell ministers that don't. And you know that the difference, well, you know after today at least, that the difference is the revelation of what they have. And that's the difference in you, the revelation of what you have. Study out who you are in Christ. Study out what the word actually says you have so that you can actually walk in it. Amen? All right, so four minutes. I'm going to pray us out. Father, thank you for today. Lord, thank you for this word, your holy, awesome, powerful word. Father, thank you that every person that's in here, as they read your word and they have a good heart posture, and if they didn't before, if they became complacent, Lord, I thank you that you highlighted it, and I think you're a good, merciful God, and all they have to do is, even right now in their chair, say, Lord, I repent. Lord, I want to have revelation in your word. I want to walk in your word. And right then and there, boom, I thank you, Father, that their heart is changed, and I thank you that their heart is prepared and ready for the revelation of the word of God. 
Lord, I thank you that as each one in here is filled with the Holy Ghost, that the Holy Spirit enlightens their eyes and shows them in the word everything that they need for this time, Lord. I thank you that as they walk with you and they talk with you, I thank you that you're constantly shedding light in their situation, shedding light in their life. Lord, I thank you that your word is what they stand on, that your word is a lamp unto their feet, a light unto their path. Father, I thank you for the blood of Jesus that covers them and protects them. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.